0: Learn more at marines.com. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here with a limited vocal range joined down the line as usual by David Hartrick. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Sore throat, is it?
0: Yeah, sore throat. Probably not helped by singing at the top of my lungs halfway down the M1 on Friday night. So, yeah, apologies for the strangeness of my voice, if I sound a bit strained, it might mean that we have a shorter than usual podcast today as well, because I think there's only so long I could talk like this. So apologies in advance for that. But I mean, we've got <laughs> quite a game to talk about, Dave, or at least quite a last 10 minutes of a game, it feels like now. West Bromwich Albion 2, Huddersfield Town 2. I was at the game, you watched it on telly. What did you make of it?
1: Um, I think before we get into the specifics, I think it's worth saying, because there's been a lot of coverage and a lot of reaction to it I I think it might turn out to not be a bad point if I'm honest I I think West Brom are going to boot and rally a little bit and I don't think I don't think they've still got to play quite a few of Town's rivals and they've got to play a few of them at home and I think potentially it may turn out to be quite a decent point for Town because they've got some really good players, haven't they? Like, Whatever yeah. you think of Steve Bruce, they have genuinely got some good players. So before we delve into it, the result, yeah, it's a draw that felt like a defeat because of the nature of it, but it kept the run going. And yeah, I, I don't think it will be too bad in the long run.
0: No, this is it. I mean, I think you're right. And I think probably having lost on Monday as well probably made it feel even worse. And for you and me, we went and watched the B team who also lost on Wednesday night. So it was sort of, um, you know, three sort of negative results in a row for us. But um, I think we would have taken a draw at West Brom going into this game, I think. I think the issue with with that is twofold. Obviously, it's the nature of it. The the sense of injustice in particular at the penalty, which we'll get on to. But also just for me... I think you look at sort of that West Brom game, that Millwall game, and the Bournemouth game, and I think in isolation you say a point in any of those is good, but in reality you actually probably need to win one of them. Yeah. So it would have been nice to have got that boxed off straight out the gate, and then you can go into those Millwall and Bournemouth games. I know people are looking at Bournemouth and say, can we catch them? Uh, I think. Again, it's still too early to say that because you're still waiting for them to do you an enormous favour. But I think you could have gone into those Millwall and Bournemouth games seeing those as, as drawable mm. games and now you're going into needing to, to probably win one of them, which is, you know, a bit of a... A bit of a shame because Town were coasting and were, were on top for 80 minutes, you know, they, they looked completely comfortable. West Brom didn't really threaten them at all. Uh, Town deserved their 2-0 win and it, it looked like the three points were, were practically in the bag. We, we should talk about those first 80 minutes first of all, I think, because I think... Obviously, the the way that things went, it's natural to sort of slip into only talking about those last ten minutes. But Town went four four two again. They had Sorba Thomas up front with Danny Ward this time. They they have a sort of rotating cast of people that they've put up top in that four four two. They've had Sonani, Holmes, O'Brien, and and Sorba Thomas now as well as he was against uh, Birmingham. And I just thought in all departments of the pitch, um, bar one or two sort of daft moments and daft decisions by by individuals looked good value on the night.
1: Yeah, I I thought it was a very sort of competent away performance. Really, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was great. Um, but I thought it was just thoroughly sort of professional. I thought it was quite interesting putting Sauber up front because of what he gives you as an outball ball um, mm. and a way to break the press. And I think it's quite a good way to use him. I think he gives you more in that role than Holmes or Sonani does. Yeah, agreed. I don't. It's They're better weird... at sort of dropping into the ten, aren't they? Yeah. If you want someone to sort of yeah. drop in. Whereas Thomas, in an away game like that, you want him to push the defence back, and you want him to stretch individuals, and you want him to be the outball. And I thought it was, it was a really good way of doing that, particularly against good teams with good defences. You know, just trying to create a bit of space, and I think Sawball was actually really good on the night. Um, he's just. I wrote about it in the five conclusions, but his role has changed over the season, and he's just tactically such a key part of Mm. things for town and while he may not be you know flipping it over defenders heads and uh, you know getting everybody off off their off their seats with by taking on three or four players he's still doing a bit of that but he's also just such a sort of competent footballer now who plays in a system and just does a massive role and I think we sort of stopped talking about Sorba Thomas a little bit because he was not doing the sort of eye-catching stuff as often but He's still m- played more matches than anyone else, made more starts, played more minutes and he's played like what, one, two, three, four, five different roles I think mm. over the course of the season and looked extremely competent in every single one of them and I think it's that's credit to him and i think uh lewis was really good as well in that 80 yeah, minutes out really on the left wing. Y- we almost take for granted that he's going to be a 7 out of 10 as a bare minimum and yeah. he he was yet again i just thought it was a really competent performance but the player i want to talk about is danny ward so i'll go over to you first before <laughs> i wax lyrical
0: yeah i mean i thought i thought tom lee had an excellent first 80 minutes as well uh, i, I I'm not sure about the marking on Andy Carroll later on, but we'll get on to that. But, you know... I think what we'd say with Andy Carroll is he's made a Premier League career and played for England by scoring exactly those kinds of goals. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is, I think, with that. Um, and Matty Pearson, I think, is in really good form at the moment, quietly. I think he's, you know, centre-backs don't tend to come in for a lot of praise, and obviously Tom Lees has been getting the goals. But I think Matty Pearson, the last few weeks, has been sort of in his best run of form of the season, and he's yeah. been and he's been really good all season. Uh, he just looks so calm now we talk of him as a no-nonsense defender and we always sort of characterize him that way but, you know, I think that's doing a disservice to how well he reads the game. He's so good at mopping up balls in behind. Um, I think he's doing really well at the moment. And and John Russell, I think, you know, you talk about playing over the over the press and playing in behind. And this will feed into the Danny Ward chat. But I thought John Russell had a really good game as well. Um, some really uh, good, inventive passes forward. Got on to, you know, picked out the runs superbly. Um, I thought looked, again, really good in that central midfield with the ball at his feet.
1: Yeah, he did. It he, he was... Slightly different game from than we've seen from Russell, which I thought was good was interesting. Um, and you're right, I I do think we have to have a conversation about Jonathan Hogg, like yeah, yeah,
0: conspicuous by not having been mentioned there, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: I, he, the we've talked about the problem with him dropping really deep already, but he's also, I, you, I, and because of his character, I'm sure he would be the first to admit this as well, Steve. He's just not in really good form at the moment. He's still there's still a lot of things he does that help the team enormously, but on the ball he's just not in great shape at the minute. Not like he was last season where he was he had some crazy passing stats, some mad passing stats. He seems to have lost that a little bit, and he just I I think the change of system doesn't really suit him because the four four two puts a little bit of pressure on him to do something different that I don't think he's comfortable doing, but yeah, I would I, I put it this way, I in town's best 11 in their favored system whatever you think that is, does Jonathan Hogg start at the moment?
0: If you played 4-3-3, I think I would play him. I don't think they have anyone else that that does that number 6 role but and I, When I was the last
1: time they played 4-3-3? Well,
0: that's it. Yeah. I wouldn't play I certainly wouldn't play him in a 3-4-3 at the moment. I don't know. I I think I think he has played well in the 4-4-2 and I'm not like I'm not super down on this performance. I don't think he's had a great week this week, Jonathan Hogg. I think mm-hmm. when he came back from his injury in what was it, January, he had quite a poor run of form and he'd got it he'd, he'd actually put started to put a few good games together after that. I think he's had a bad week this week, but I mean, I was sort of conflicted on what score to give him against West Brom because even in sort of those first 80 minutes, I think I had him on a five because I know I sort of earned, do I go five or six? Because when he was good, he was playing at a good tempo. He was receiving the ball, playing it off quickly and accurately and keeping things sticking over really well. But there were also two moments in the first half where he played a a sort of a nightmarish, Backwards pass that needed teammates to bail him out and he was lucky to get away with. Um, and we had a go at John Russell for that uh, against um, Peterborough last week as well. So, you know, we're not just getting on at Hog for it. Um, he was very lucky to get away. Well, there's a penalty shout from a corner in the first half. That, that Hogue could have been whistled for and, and and wasn't. I don't think that was a penalty, so I'm not attaching a huge amount of criticism to that one. But I think it was a foul on Andy Carroll uh, in the build-up to town second, which he was very lucky to get away with. And then, obviously, it's him that gives the ball away uh, when West Brom scored the second goal. So, I think he's he's not had a, a good week. I think, sort of, we have seen Carlos Corbett rotating him in and out of the side, even in league games, which is new. So, I think... I don't think it's any surprise, you know, he's 33. I don't think either of us are sitting here saying, bombing out the team, his career's finished. We're not... No, 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 no. We're no, not no. other people we could name. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, I think he's, you know, he's a player you use in certain games. Uh, and, you know... I think maybe there's because he's been there so long and he was Player of the Year last year. Maybe there's an unfair expectation that he is going to be perfect and he's never going to give the ball away and he's not mm. going to make those mistakes. You know, so I think but-
1: I think like part of the issue just to talk about the system a little bit is that when they've sort of played the four four two more as a diamond, it suits him well to players are six, sit in front of the back two. We know that's where he likes to be. We know that's where he's probably at his best. Yeah. But the problem is, when you play Russell in the centre next next to him, you're, you're in danger of having two players get caught really, really deep. And Town, mm. almost in possession, basically sort of have to, by default, turn into a 4-2-4, which mm. is, it, you know, it's not a formation that you can play over a long period without the gaps hurting you. And... It feels, as I said, there is no chance that Jonathan Hogg is finished. He still has a huge role. Yeah, I mean, in the in the, in the dressing room and on the training round alone, never mind on the pitch. But I think the four four two, if you play it as a diamond, then he he works. If you play it as something more akin to like a more natural four four two. I'm not sure he's the man who starts in it for me.
0: Yeah, uh, as I say, I think it's, I think it is just a bad week this week, perhaps because he had had that good run of form before. Then we hadn't really, because you and I sort of off air had said he's becoming an issue here, but we will will appreciate he's coming back from injury, so mm-hmm. we're not going to go and two foot him. Um, and I think just as we were reaching the point where we were thinking, do we need to sort of put some criticism his way he, his form took off again so you know I think you would back him to bounce back as you say as his own harshest critic I'm sure he'll be mm. kicking himself over that that giveaway late on and his part in the second goal I don't think you know it's not like he it's not like he did a Sam Johnston so no. <laughs> you and know. I think
1: the other thing is right he gives the ball away for the second goal, but I think you look at that whole sequence yeah. of play, and we need yeah, to yeah. talk about the last ten Town lose it almost immediately from kickoff by going wide wide. they get it back slightly fortuitously. they then lose it again, and they have two chances to sort of definitively clear their lines, the second mm-hmm. being hog, and they don't then when the ball is shifted out wide, two players go out on the cross and neither actually makes any meaningful contribution towards stopping it. And then there's six players in the box when that ball comes in, and not one of them really gets anywhere near to the ball, mm. is the thing. And I think that, yeah, it's Hogg's Pass that gives the ball yeah, away, yeah. but I think there's a collective absolutely brain fart, if I'm brutally honest, on that goal. It's the only way I can describe it. But we'll talk about that in 10 minutes. I do want to talk a bit about Danny Ward, though. Yes, please do. Because I talked about it in, in the conclusions, and I, I'm going to repeat myself a little bit, but like Huddersfield Town have got one of the best strikers in the Championship right now, and he, we always talk about him when he gets his goals, but I sort of did some digging into those above him in the goal scoring charts, and he genuinely stands up against all of them, you know. Like so, I was looking at Mitrovic. And Ward's got thirteen goals from sixty-seven shots, and Mitrovic has got thirty-six from one hundred and forty-nine, which is it's zero point two goals per shot for Mitrovic. Ward's on zero point one nine, so he's just a hair's breadth behind the bloke who's going to break the goal-scoring record. It, the same with Solanke. So like, it's it, so Ward's shots on targets percentage of what he gets is like nearly 10 percent higher than Solanke's and you're looking at Solanke and Mitrovic they're two strikers whose entire team platform them essentially constantly so the the whole team is designed to create chances for them and that's not how town play that's not what Danny Ward has to do you know he's not I wouldn't say he's a false nine by any stretch, but they don't have, you know, Mitrovic and Solanke don't have pressing duties in the same way. They don't have to drop deeper in certain away games. They don't mm. effectively have to play as the first defender much. And that's all things that Ward does alongside, you know, keeping keeping track track with his sort of contemporaries around him. and. Like his goals per shots on target is higher than Ben Brereton. Um, I think Viman at Bristol City has scored three more, but he's played uh, like nearly 850 minutes more football this season than Ward. Um, and I think the only other player is, is Billy Sharp, who's got three penalties in his total, and Ward hasn't got any. And we can have the whether you count penalties discussion or not, but we're not having it here. I think in, in this context, it, it does go to show what a phenomenal job he's doing. And again, on Friday, I think, like, he gets his, his reward on the first goal for being patron, say, of lost causes for that club. And, you know, he, he, he's the only one pressing... Keeper hesitates, he gets his goal but how many times have we seen him in that position this season doing exactly that job, stopping a goalkeeper or a central defender from comfortably being able to play the ball Mm. into midfield or out wide where It was a matter
0: of time before we got one of those goals, wasn't it?
1: And then second half, you know, O'Brien's shot comes in and... Like, every good striker follows the shot in. That's that's a bit of instinct. But it's also about sort of second-guessing where you think the keeper might put it. And he gets his reward again, but just his all-round game was he's just excellent. His working. the build-up to that yeah. to that
0: second goal was brilliant. Him and Russell played off each other really well, yeah. sort of 30, 40 yards out from goal and, and helped create that space for O'Brien to get him free. Um, I mean, I think Lewis probably should have done better with his finish Yeah, um, but then Johnson should have done better with the save and you end up with Ward putting it in. So, And yeah. his,
1: just his, his link play and what he's contributing to the team is just massive. I mean, you saw on Monday night we, we were at the Forest game and when, Ward came onto the pitch and played as a forward. Towns' game improved infinitely. You know, yeah, they yeah. they immediately attacked in a different way. He had a couple of lovely touches, just layoffs that took one, two, or three defenders out. And he's just we're not we're not being smug. He had a terrible season (laughs) last season, but we were defending him on the basis of he was clearly injured, there was clearly other factors involved. But this season, you know, he he has been excellent. He won't get Player of the Season, you know, like either Lee Nichols, Lewis O'Brien or Sorba Thomas is going to get Player of the Season. And I think, you know, by rights for various reasons. But Danny Ward, absolutely up there. Absolutely up there. And it's like, it's really... I love these games where he gets to score as well. <laughs> he gets mm. to do the thing that obviously gets gets the headline and gets, you know, a, a certain it feels like he's sort of completed football in that role when he gets to score as well, but just the amount of pressing and how high he pushes and etc. it's just he's just in such good form and has been really since what, since about start of December? You know, this this run, this 17-game league yeah. run, has just been... He's been really, really good. Really good. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's quite a turnaround when you've got fans chanting you're just a shiny Ward at Carlin Grant, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, like, last season was horrible, and we did try and defend him a few times when there were one or two performances that were quite indefensible, Steve, if we're honest. But, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just... Like, I wouldn't say his first name on the team sheet. Because I think Lee Nichols is obviously first name on the team sheet. But I tell you what, Danny Ward and Lewis O'Brien are fighting it out for who's next, I think.
0: Yeah, I think I said recently um, that probably the two outfielders who were irreplaceable in this side are, are Lewis O'Brien and, and Sorba Thomas, and I put in brackets after that, and maybe Danny Ward. And I think I'm definitely removing the maybe from that. I think mm. he is He is pretty much irreplaceable in this side. You know, those, those four names, I think... Um, Nichols, O'Brien, Thomas, and Ward play—you know any game they're fit for, don't they? And they do. Yeah, they're they're doing really well at the moment. And yeah, big praise to to Danny Ward. Um, I, I echo everything you say there. I think he's been been and fantastic.
1: I think the other the other factor is that okay if it, the there are still one or two sort of doubters out there. I think another factor you have to consider, reward is all right. You go and get uh inadverted commas better striker than Danny Ward. the The problem is Corbyn's use of that role is so specific and so there is such a it's such a different job he does to a Mitrovic or a Solanke, or even a Billy Sharp that. I think you have to understand he's he's kind of the perfect player for the situation right yeah. now.
0: I think it's it, it reminds me a bit of uh, when Firmino first came to Liverpool. Yes, and, yes. And people, people. I think it took Liverpool fans a couple of years yep. to get their heads around what he was doing and the fact that he wasn't going to score thirty goals a season, mm. uh, and then became probably their most important player and made it all work and you know they've been able to sort of find replacements for him since then but I think it took a little bit similar here I think now that you say there's a couple of doubters but I think the overwhelming majority of fans now actually see and appreciate everything Danny Ward is doing and, and know what he's doing and, and and they love him for it um, I've said before but you know his turnaround in the way that he's won the fans over this season has been one of my favourite things about this mm. season uh, same as Ollie Turton by the way uh, and yeah. not just to mention another I I enjoyed uh, turn scores were on the pitch. So, uh, and he almost did. He uh, he, he put one towards the top corner from a header. But there you go. Um, no big praise to Danny Ward, but I mean obviously. <laughs> The penalty decision, uh, I think everyone agrees that was never a penalty. There were people in the press box track play Devil's Advocate and Steve Bruce made a sort of feeble attempt at going, well, it's his intent, it's high boot, you you can't do that. But come on, the referee's given that decision because he thinks he's caught Mowat in the face. Mowat makes out like he's caught him in the face and he absolutely hasn't, he's got nowhere near him. Uh, Never a penalty in my book.
1: No, never in a million years. I, I think the... Like I had to discuss it in the conclusions, and I, I I'm going to make the same thing clear here that I made in the conclusions that me and you, as a rule, don't like talking about referee and decisions, and particularly putting it in print, etc., because they get enough abuse they don't Absolutely, need yeah. us adding to it and oftentimes I think we just have a slightly different view on it but
0: uh, I, I mean you know it's a long-standing bugbear of mine that you know every game you watch in the Premier League or Champions League the entire half time discussion will be about a, a refereeing mm-hmm. decision and it's like well either everyone agrees on it and there's no point talking about it or you disagree on it and you get the benefit of the doubt but with this one you know we're representing you know we're we're sort of representing the fans in a way as, as part of our role writing for the Examiner and, yeah, from a town perspective, that was an absolute stinker, it's, wasn't
1: yeah. it? Yeah. The, like, the out-of-control argument doesn't really work because not only does he get the touch on it, but at the time of the sort of where the contact would be supposedly be, if you look, Sorba's foot is actually closer to Moat's wrist than it is his head. Yeah. But you know, he's he's not only got the touch on the ball, but he's pulled his foot away.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's um, quite a delicate little flick. Yeah. It's, not, it's not Sadio Mane on... Um, but he loves is it?
1: Yeah, the, the thing is, Sorba loves one of them as well. He, you know, yeah. that's that's something he loves doing—that little delicate flick over the head. And yeah, Moit, Moit sells it. The linesman—I saw somebody saying the linesman should help him out. The problem is at a corner, the linesman basically has to stand in line with the six-yard line because he's watching for any infringements he can see in that area. So when it comes, it's just too quick by the time it comes out to the edge of the box for the linesman to have any sort of view of it. The referee's angle...
0: is behind like, him, isn't he?
1: Yeah, Joby McAnuff on the Sky coverage after, and and Heff nodded after he'd had his rant that it wasn't a penalty. He said, you know, it was, it was a difficult angle for the ref to see. I don't actually agree with that, because... I've I've watched it a few times now, and I think the ref can see. There's clear daylight between foot yeah. and head. It's just it's a real time decision, which we know they're difficult to yeah. make. But yeah, it was it was a, it was a stinker, absolute yeah, stinker. Yeah, it was. And like. Just as a wider point, Championship referees have had a bit of a stinking weekend. If I'm brutally honest, if anyone oh, seen that penalty, yeah, and that's <laughs> the, not the only one. one there say. was there was a terrible one in the Bournemouth Derby game as well. Derby not not given. So yeah, it was it was really disappointing, and I think that I don't think it would have been a draw without that decision. But the problem is that Town then mentally for. Probably about eight minutes before they got themselves back together, they they went through a little collapse, and I've not seen them that way, seen them that ragged and out of control for a long time, for probably months
0: probably months. Peterborough away, probably the last time they did that. Yeah, um, yeah probably th- they. And
1: that was what November.
0: Yeah, this is why I was sort of my my stance on it initially after the game was, you know, it was a kick in the face, but they, as in, to the result was, um, but that. Um, <sighs> They, they, you know, they were still winning when that penalty went in. That penalty didn't have to define their game. And, you know, people are saying, I think a lot of fans sort of gave, because they were so angry at that refereeing decision, I can understand why, sort of gave Town a free pass on the fact that that they ended up drawing that game, um, saying, you know, oh, it turned the game. And, and you know, Carlos Corbrant came out and said it changed the game emotionally and, you know, completely. But... I I felt like West Brom was starting to put more pressure on. And e- even at that point, I felt like a goal was probably coming from somewhere, from West Brom. Mm. Um, they were really going for it. You know, they took off a centre-back and a right-back to, to throw on attacking players. You know, they, they were really pushing for it. So I felt like, a bit like against Fulham, a goal was going to come. But unlike against Fulham, where Town conceded the goal and then... Kept their composure and kept their wits about them. They here they conceded the goal and then just completely panicked and fell apart mm-hmm. for another five. Basically, until added time began, mm-hmm. and that included the goal. Carlin Grant hit the bar as well, yeah, um, so they could they could even have ended up losing that game, Town. Um, and that's where I'm sort of looking at that and going, "All right, that was an awful decision," but they can't. They can't be throwing games away like that, you know, like they were still winning and they, if they'd kept their wits about them, I think they could have seen that game out. You know, they'd they'd put the third defender on the pitch to, to try and do exactly that. So I thought that was, that was poor from town, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it, it was that we've already talked about that, that, the second goal just being a collective failure really but like the the grant chance really summed up where their heads were at at the time because all that was was they worked the ball wide simple ball like inside and a little chip over the top and there was a line of six town players completely taken out by one ball mm. at completely taken out and it was uh, as I said it's a long time since I've seen them like that and the slightly worrying thing is we, we're coming into a highly pressurised part of the season and they've got to they've got to be better than that really they they've got to get focused straight away and just do the things that have got them into the position where they were 2-0 up in the first place and this isn't just me and you uh, sort of feel this, uh, you know. Michael Heffley was in the Sky Studio. We don't usually get to sort of see that sort of coverage or analysis because we're at games. But I, I got to see it this time, and it was, it was interesting because he was absolutely raging at the penalty decision, but he was equally as raging at the fact that they didn't get focused. Yeah, that was and that was his word. He kept repeating they weren't focused. You have to fo- refocus and see the game out and yeah, you know they they you, you can't afford to do that against good sides. And I know it's West Brom, and I know a lot of people are going to say they're awful, but they've just they've just got their first win. They just had their first sort of period of five days on the training pitch with their new manager working with them, and they've got a decent first eleven and with some good players in. You can't just sort of switch off like that for for nearly ten minutes and expect it not to cost you. So it was a bit disappointing. It does feel a bit unjust, but... Yeah, grand scheme of things, it may turn out to not be a bad point in truth.
0: Yeah, that's it. I think, as you say, I think that's the key thing is you can't afford to do that against good teams no. and, town are, and Town are playing a lot of good teams over the next few weeks. That That's sort of my issue. And, you know, if, if they are looking at the playoffs rather than automatic, and I think we have to keep sort of uh, assuming that, that it is going to be play- playoffs if it is going to be, you know, a top six finish. Um, <laughs> unless, you know, we need a few more results. Uh, against Bournemouth before we start talking about anything else for me, but um, but you know, you can imagine if they'd done that in a playoff final, you know, mm. uh, or in a semi, and it ends up costing them over the two legs, you know, it's they they need to sort of. We talked about they need to sort of raise their levels after being able to coach through the games against Birmingham and Peterborough, yeah. and you know, I think. I said to someone the other day, "This could end up being like that draw against Sheffield United, where it's a similar kind of thing, where you're angry at the officials for, mm. you know, sort of costing them two points, uh, making them get a draw rather than a win, uh, and then." the next game they're brilliant and you know they 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 you know they they go from strength to strength from here and you take the positives out of it because there are a lot of positives to take from that first 80 minutes obviously um and as you say in the grander scheme of things you know look at you look at their recent results they've taken 13 of the last possible 15 points Mm. you know it would have been nice to have got 15 out of 15 but grander scheme they're in really good form still Mm. i think uh as as I put in the piece on Friday night, imagine being told a couple of months ago, let alone um, at the start of the season, that you'd be upset at taking a two-all draw away Mm -hmm. to West Brom that puts you second. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're slipped back down to third now, obviously, but um, I think that sort of tells you a little bit about where Town are at the moment, that we're sort of really disappointed at that result. I think it's just, partly though, for me, it's just the concern of they can't do that again. They do need to get Another three or four wins, and if they yeah. if they can't see games out, that's going to make their job a lot more difficult. Hopefully, it's just a bit of a one-off.
1: So, the only other team to have taken 13 out of the last 15 points. Go on,
0: Millwall. There you go.
1: So huge game ahead on Wednesday, and um, I think I think Millwall are genuinely good as well. It's not a not one of them weird Championship <laughs> blip runs. I think they
0: are. They've I, been. I remember when we played them last time, and I did the research on them. They had drawn a lot of games, and they mm. weren't conceding many at all. When you look at their defensive record over the whole yeah. season, I
1: mean they don't. This is the thing: they don't score many, but the problem mm. is they don't concede <laughs> zero
0: zero shots against Blackburn last week, Millwall. Uh, away from home uh, yeah. but but yeah exactly all season their defence has been really good and the feeling with Millwall fans I remember when we played them last time and Hoggy scored that winner didn't he mm. that that their fans were saying uh, things are going alright we're playing well but we need goals in the side and you know that their winning run has, has sort of come when they have started to score a bit more regularly it is Really tough game. It's a, it reminds me a little bit of when Town played Preston a few weeks ago. When Town were in the when Preston were in the middle of that, yeah, a similar kind of unbeaten run. Um, and it, yeah, it's a it's a really tough game. But as I say, that's sort of the issue I have with dropping these points against West Brom is I feel like they probably need to beat either Millwall or Bournemouth just for momentum's sake going into the international break. Yeah, and and they're both very very tough.
1: They are and. I can guarantee you that Millwall are going to play that side as the as the away team effectively as well. They they will. It will be down to Town to make the running in that game. Um, so it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's winnable because you know ultimately, let's be honest, Millwall aren't Fulham. You know they're not absolutely stacked and are just going to blow Town away. But yeah, it's it's tough and then you've got the bournemouth game and the bournemouth game feels pivotal because i i really am at the point where i think you know if if town could win that game it sends a statement and that race for second is a race you know town are obviously still well back oh yeah it is yeah. but it is a race if they lose that game i think the stakes are such that it's it's done you know i yeah, i don't yeah, think yeah. bournemouth yeah. are catchable in any in any world really so it's that's that's a pivotal fixture as well. So it's it's a huge few days ahead, and it it just would have been nice. It's a very different feeling to be coming into them on the back of a comfortable two nil win at West Brom than it is a two two draw in the nature that it happened really.
0: Yeah, I mean they can't be caught in third on those games in hand alone so you know i don't think anyone now can say they're in a false position i know that's got up a few people's noses i think when you're talking about second it's fair to say they're in a false position but but not third you know they can't be caught but you know as as we're as we're recording this qpr are in the 95th minute winning against luton town having come from behind um which does mean that that there's now a 6 point gap to 7th and a lot of the teams below town still have that one game in hand so you know they're only sort of 2 games away from yeah. not be, from from being sort of in and that race for 6th yeah and it's, it's very tight. tight so
1: and you look at some of the sides they still have to play Bournemouth QPR Middlesbrough etc yep. it's Luton. there's there's a long way to go before this season's done or before we can start to assume anything i think but i i still i maintain the thing i've said all the way along points on the board rather than games in hand for me and town have they're not in a false yes, position absolutely. they have the points on the board it's up to everyone to chase it's another weekend where they've drawn and it's not really co- ultimately cost them steve
0: not really with uh was it blackburn lost sheffield united lost. Luton have lost Borough Drew so yeah it's you know another reason you can sort of see it as a good good point but yeah I think it's I think we just want to see some signs at this point that they are ready for this this last 10 yeah. games or 9 as it is now um, and obviously I think it's it raises a little bit of a concern that they've been winning against Forest and West Brom and ended up you know winning neither of those games um, but You know, one was a cup game with a rotated side and the other was sort of a, you know, a a ten costly 10 minutes rather than a, you know, they were good for half an hour and then got battered for an hour, so we'll see how they go we could easily be sitting here next week being absolutely miserable we could easily be sitting here next week uh, with big smiles on our faces talking about Huddersfield Town's prospects and uh, looking at hotels in the Brent area so
1: international break ahead I think actually works quite nicely for town regardless of whether I mean even if they lose both these games I think the international break on this occasion actually works for them and we know that we know town are better when Corbyn's had them for a couple of weeks and they've had a little bit of recovery but they've also had some time on the on the training ground with him so uh, we'll see
0: we'll see yeah thanks for joining us everyone um you can follow david at david hartrick you can follow me as steven chicken and we'll have obviously all the updates for you and coverage as usual on examinerlive.co.uk thanks for joining us goodbye
1: see you there